You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Well, good morning, Real Life. I am super excited to be here. I just want to clarify my name is Eric, just so that we're on the same page. Just want to make sure that everyone knows that the right person came out. I'm super excited to be able to come down here and be a part of what God is doing through Real Life here at Pullman. Um, The only moment in time that I wasn't really excited was when my alarm clock went off this morning because it was really early. Uh, But I prayed along the drive and I got over that and God worked on my heart. Now I'm back to excitement. Um, So it's good. It's going to be good. It's going to be a good day. And uh, so we're continuing in this series, One Person at a Time. And if you haven't been with us for the other ones, I would definitely encourage you to, you know, listen back um, and and get caught up. But if if you haven't, it's okay, you know. And if you have been with us, awesome. We're on week three here. Um, And if if you've been a part of real life for any period of time, you'll know that this is a series that is oftentimes repeated. You know, something that we go through every single year. And I don't know if you are more patient than I, but usually when I see something repeated, repeated. I'm like, um, oh, yeah, I've heard that. I'm out. Uh, so please stay seated. Don't worry. This is important. Um, you know, it took a little while for me to understand why it's important to repeat things and to go through and different eyes and different views and different depth to things. But uh, I really painted a good picture when I thought back on something that I learned in school. And so uh, back in my senior year, I had this class um, where I walked in one day and it was completely different. And all I noticed was that there was a bunch of clear bins with Lincoln logs in them. Now at 18 years old, you really only have two responses. You know, the first is you can be like, "Mm, yeah, I'm too old for that. Not going to play with those. Or you're the 18 year old that acts like a six year old at a a birthday party and you just run in screaming. You're like, yeah, that's going to be awesome. I'm going to play with those. And Obviously, I was the second person. Uh, I was the only one in the class that did that. I found out that's not normal um, at 18, but it was fine. It was a whole thing. Uh, so I ran in. I was super excited. I had no idea what we were doing, but I was pumped. And, and I came in, I sat down, and the teacher's like, all right, this is what it is. Everyone's going to take home one of these boxes. There's no instructions. There's no manual. There's no pictures, which I like pictures. Like they, they work for me. There's no pictures and you're going to go home and you're going to build something. And then you're going to bring it back tomorrow. And when you come into class, if your something matches my something, you get an A. If it doesn't, you fail. Now, most of the kids at this point in time, they're like, uh, I feel like we need more instructions than that. But me being the six-year-old, I was like, sweet, give me my box. Let's go. I'm going to ace this. Let's go. So I go home. The only time I've ever been excited about homework. Um, And I take it home and I go to my room and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And so I dump out all the pieces and I'm like, okay, I'm thinking through this. What do you think my teacher's going to build? Well, he's obviously going to use all of the pieces, obviously. Um, And he's obviously going to build one structure because that only makes sense. And so I decide I have to use every single one of the pieces, no matter how odd or funny looking it is. And I have to do it in one building. So I built this giant two-story, didn't look like a house, wasn't enough pieces for that. Uh, But I built it, Uh, had some weird windows and odd places. I had a a sunroof, um, which is in a car, but it was there, it like moved and it opened, it was weird. Uh, so this whole thing, I built it and I was pumped. And I walked into class because I was a confident six-year-old and I said, hey, I got this, teach. I've aced this, no problem. And as I walk in, I notice all of the other students have completely different structures than mine. 
And my first thought should have been, huh, I wonder if I did this wrong. But it wasn't. No, it was, wow, they're going to fail. <laughs> they're bad at this assignment. I can't believe it. And so I came and I sat down and the teacher comes in. He's like, all right, you ready for me to reveal what this is supposed to look like so that you can get an A? And I'm like, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Never seen what I just built before in my life, but I'm confident you built this. Yep. And he pulls it out. Not even close. Uh, it was three different buildings, like three different smaller buildings. And he had like this pile of spare pieces off to the side. It was completely different. I'm like, teach, you did it wrong. That mind, that you're supposed to look like, he's like, no, you failed. I'm like, what? I was like, how? He's like, why didn't you build it the way you're supposed to? I was like, I did. You built it wrong. Like, you don't understand this. He's like, no, no, no. Why couldn't you build this correctly? And I was like, I don't know. I wish I knew. Too young. And he goes, it's because I didn't give you the right instructions, the right vision for what it was supposed to turn out like. And it was in that moment, I was like, oh, I literally never thought of that this entire project. Thought for sure I had all the answers. And so why do we repeat series like this? so that we are aligned with the same vision and mission to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time, to be and to make disciples. That's why it's so important year after year to go back to to our discipleship process and fully understand and grasp why, why do we meet here? So that we are aligned with our mission and our vision so that we don't build this wonky house, right? If we are not aligned with our vision, we'll all end up in different destinations, So if we align with our vision, we can follow God's path and become together as a church body and reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. That's why it's important that we continue to go back. And so week one was about share, right? Sharing your story, sharing Christ with others, going out and actually sharing, right? Week two is about connect, connecting the unconnected, connecting people that are not believers, even connecting with believers so that you're stronger in your faith. And this week, we're going to dive into this concept of minister. Now, I don't know about you, but, but when I first heard this word minister early on in my faith journey, I was like, ooh, it looks, sounds intimidating. Maybe someday when I get a degree and I stand in front of people, I can minister to people. Like I was pretty intimidated by this word, but, but, but that's not it at all. That's not it at all. Minister is much simpler than that. And we are all called to minister to those around us. But before we dive into minister, we need to talk about faith a little bit. Because minister and to minister is, is really tied in and connected with faith. And so we're going to start out in Ephesians chapter 2. So Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start out in verse 8. Verse 8 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourself, from yourselves. It is the gift of God, verse 9, not by works, so that no one can boast. I want to pause right there. Because if we're going to understand how to minister, we need to understand our faith. And right there, scripture tells us, plain and simple, you cannot work your way to salvation. You cannot earn your salvation through works. Right? It says it right here, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. 
Jesus came down on this earth and died on the cross to save you and me from our sins. We can't earn it. He offered it. It's by grace. And we need to be able to understand that because as we're talking about this concept of minister, we need to know that when we go out and minister, it's not to try to earn salvation. Salvation is obtained through Jesus, right? John 14, six, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It's through Jesus. So we need to be on that same page. It's by grace you have been saved. Verse 10, this is important too. Listen closely, because I don't know if you're like me, but, but when I look at myself in the mirror, I don't always think this. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. The NLT translates this masterpiece, meaning we are God's best work, his best creation. Out of all the things that he has created, we are his best. I can't remember a time where I looked in the mirror and went, hmm, yeah, you're his best. Because I, I struggle with that. But it says it right here, you're his best. You are his best creation. That's necessary. If we're gonna go out and we're gonna minister to the world, we need to know that we're God's best work. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So one, faith is obtained through grace or by grace through faith. Okay, it can't be earned. But then the second part of this is that we are God's best work and we are called to do good work. That's not, we are called to sit around, don't share your faith, stay quiet. No, it says we are called to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do, which means this, we are called to action. If we are gonna understand how to minister, we need to know that we are called to action, which means you have to take a step. You have to do something. We are called to action. See, if we look deeper into this word minister, it actually has a Latin root, which means servant. Servant. And then if we follow this word through history, in the early 1100s, the English definition of this word actually meant acting under the authority of another. Interesting. So when it comes to faith, could it mean that in order to minister, it just means that we are a servant acting under the authority of God? God has given us the power to go out and serve. Pretty simple. I think James gives us a, a, a clearer, even simpler definition of the word minister. And so let's, let's look at James. Now we're going to go into James chapter 2, but before we dive into that, let's, let's get some context behind this, right? James is writing this uh, somewhere in uh, you know, 40 to 50 AD, and he's writing this to the Jerusalem church, He's writing this to the Christians around Jerusalem and know that this is a time that, that was after when Stephen was martyred, right? So Stephen died for his faith. And so at this point in time, they're, they're physically scattered, but they're probably also emotionally scattered, right? They're in this point where they're like, I don't know if I should share my faith. Uh, that dude over there died. Like, should I share my faith? That, died, that guy died. Like, I don't, I don't really want to die. Right, so they're going through all of this emotional controversy where they're like, what do we do with our faith? Like, can we just have our faith and just stay quiet? Can we just like, I've got my faith, I'm in my little home, like I'm good. Like, what do we do? And James makes it very, very clear. Chapter two, verse 14. 
says this, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him, save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, hey, go in peace, keep warm, well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I don't know if that hits you, but whenever I read that, I'm like, oh, have I had action this week on my faith? Like, that's tough. He's saying faith without action, very simply, is dead. But what we can learn from this, these three verses right here, 14 through 17, four verses, very simply, minister It's just to put your faith into action. In its simplest form, to minister to someone is putting your faith into action. To be a minister is putting your faith into action. Right? He gives us a a very simple analogy, an example here, where it's like, hey, if someone's in need of food, give them food. That's ministering. If they need clothes, give them clothes. That's ministering. Very simple. Faith put in action, is ministering. See, when I got to a point where I understood that definition of it, it became very clear to me that I was called to minister every day. And I didn't need a title. I didn't need a degree. I didn't need a platform or a microphone. I just needed to go out and minister to people because I had faith. And James says very clearly, if you have faith, you're gonna have action. But maybe you're at a point in life right now where you're like, well, I have faith, but I don't, I don't really know if I have action, Eric. Like, what do, I, what do I do with that? And I was preparing for this message. I was thinking about this because there was a point in my life where I felt like that. All right, there was a point in my life, uh, my wife and I, we were getting ready to move down to Boise, Idaho. But we were moving down to Boise, Idaho because I had just completely crumbled a construction business that I owned and went bankrupt. And so I was running from my problems, which obviously is a good thing. You know, everyone should run from their problems. Uh, So I was running from my problems. And it was a point where I, I really felt like I wasn't, putting my faith into action, but I was at a point where I was like, you know, God, I need, I, I need you right here with me. Like, can I, we just work on me? All right. So that's where I was at. So I wasn't going out and ministering. I wasn't, wasn't showing any good deeds. I was like, I just, I just me and you God, like, I, this is where we need to start. Like, obviously I've got some issues. And so we moved down to Boise, Idaho, and, and it only took a couple of months living down in, in Idaho before I realized that I was going down not a great path, not a healthy path. Like I was kind of checking out mentally, like, no, I'm working on God right now, or working on me and God right now, right? My wife's like, hey, we should think about, the- no, 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 working on me and God right now. Maybe we should volunteer in the church. No, mm, working on me and God right now. Like, put the brakes on, no ministering. And then one day, I was reading in my Bible as I was trying to search for answers on how God could fix me. And God just really revealed to me, he goes, hey, you gotta have faith. You gotta take a step. I didn't wanna listen to it, mainly because I'm stubborn, but also because I was like, no, I, I don't think that's it, God. Like, maybe you should take a step, right? But it was in that moment that I was like, yeah, you're right. 
So I open-handedly just gave it all to God and said, okay, obviously I've been holding back because I'm scared. I'm scared I'm gonna mess something up, but here it is, God. I get it. You're in control. You have a plan. You have a path. I don't know where it is, but I'm gonna take a step. And so I remembered that, you know, you have faith. You're supposed to have some deeds. You're supposed to go out there and minister. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to stop focusing on Eric. I'm going to start focusing on God. I'm going to start taking steps. I was reluctant, but I slowly took some steps, right? I opened up in our marriage and I said, hey, how can I support you? I want to support you, Whitney. And God started doing some amazing things through that. And then even in my church, I was like, hey, I need to get plugged in. I need to get into a home group. I need to start serving somewhere. I just, I just need to take a step out in faith. I don't know why, but God's pushing me this direction. And so at the time, we were a set up and tear down church. Uh, we met at a, a local high school. And so I was like, cool, I can do that. That's simple. Probably don't even have to talk to anybody. Just show up, set some chairs up. Like, it'd be great. And so I joined the set up team and the tear down team. And God made me talk to a lot of people. <sighs> Man. Not what I had in mind. But it was really good. What I witnessed was all these other people that were coming for the setup team, they were inviting people that didn't even go to the church just to come and volunteer and serve. They were ministering to these people. So I was like, okay, I'm going to keep taking a step. This is what you want me to do. You want me to minister? I'm going to keep taking a step. And so I got asked to volunteer in the, the kid men, the, the kid ministry. And I was like, I don't know if I like first graders, just to be real with you. Like they run around, they're loud. Like I don't feel like they listen. Uh, and they're like, that's okay. Have fun. It's like, oh, okay. Turns out I like them. I like fifth graders better, but you know. Uh, so I worked with the kids for a while and I was just serving. I had no clue where this was going. I had no idea. And then I ran into the, the youth pastor and he was like, hey, why don't you come to high school? I'm like, Yes. Oh, thank you, because I've been talking to fifth graders for much too long. I would really like, and it turns out, sometimes freshmen talk like fifth graders. I don't know, it's weird. Uh, so anyway, so I went to high school ministry, and I'm just serving, I'm just ministering. I'm like, I'm just reaching out. I don't know where God's taking me. I'm just gonna do this. And then one day, one day it all changed. It all shifted. The executive of ministries come up to me, and he goes, hey, Eric, um, I wanna sit down with you. And I'm like, okay, now I'm terrified. Because I don't know about you, but when I was just attending church, I was like, lead pastor, executive pastor, anybody on stage? I was like, I can't talk to those people. Like, scary. And I, maybe it's because I'm short and small. I don't know. But I was terrified. Uh, and I was like, sweet. So I had coffee with him, and he goes, hey, uh, we'd like to uh, ask you to consider a position. I'm like, you kidding, right? It's like, no. It's like, we actually have a position open in middle school. I'm like, hold up. Middle school? Like the age group that nobody likes, that everybody avoids? You know, the age group that they talk about these humans that don't actually act like humans and they're very confused and they're like changing and they go from like three feet tall to eight feet tall in a year and a half. Like that age group? The age group you want me to? I don't know. So I took it home. And I told my wife, and, and we prayed on it. And, and we're like, and when I brought it to my wife, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is a no. But, you know, we're doing this life thing together, so I want to let you know. Uh, and it took about three or four days. My wife's like, I think you should do it. I'm like, no. <laughs> Why? Why me? I'm like, okay. So I was like, I feel the same way. So I went in, I, I told the pastor, and I said, hey, w- we'd like to accept this position. 
And that all started with me saying, okay, God, I'll step out and minister. I'll serve. I'll serve wherever you have me. That was the start of my, what is now full-time vocational ministry career. I took a step to minister, a simple step of service, really. Now, I'm not telling you that when you take a step to minister, that eventually you're going to be in full-time ministry, like vocational ministry. But if you want to, middle schoolers rock. I still oversee middle schoolers to this day. Um, Love them, my favorite age group, um, and all of their craziness and weirdness. But uh, everyone was right. Sometimes I don't know if they're human. Um, It's just a toss-up from time to time. Uh, But it's amazing. But the reality is that to minister is just putting your faith into action, just saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take a step and I'm going to reach out. I don't know what that looks like in your life today. Maybe it's as simple as waking up an hour early and walking over to your neighbor's driveway and shoveling it because there's snow out there. And when someone asks you, why'd you do that? Oh, it's because I love Jesus. Why'd you help me? I love Jesus. That's ministering. It's not anything that's intimidating or scary. It doesn't have to be scary. It's just taking a step out and being a servant, serving God because you have faith. That's what it is. You know, Martin Luther says it this way. People are justified by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone, right? James said, faith without works is dead. Your faith should never be alone. It should always be accompanied by your action. It should always be accompanied by the way you talk, by the way you treat people. That's all ministering. How you talk to one another, how you encourage one another, you can minister through that. So maybe this week it's a simple text. Hey, I haven't spoke to you in a while. Praying for you. I don't know if you guys talk on the phone. I don't, I just text, but you can talk on the phone too. That's okay. God loves that. It's as simple as that, taking a step. Maybe you're at where I was at in life, right? And you need to ask yourself this question. What do you need to give to God to better minister this week? See, because any moment that I felt like I wasn't ministering, I wasn't taking action, I wasn't serving in the church, I wasn't serving outside of the church, it was because I had an issue. Most of the time it resided with me, but oftentimes I blamed God, right? I was like, God, I'm mad, mad at you. Like sometimes I'd even cross my arms. I'd stick out a hip. Like I was mad and I had to work through that, right? I had to give that to God and say, God, take this from me before I would take a step in faith. See, God wants you to do that. Maybe that's your first step. Maybe in order to minister, in order to serve where you're at, maybe you need to say, Hey God, take this, please take this so that I can serve so that I can minister. Maybe that's your step this week, just to give it to God. That's what I have to do. I probably get there more often than I should. Or I'm like, mm-mm, nope. And I just have to give it to God, right? Maybe you're out in the community this week. You need to ask yourself who you need to minister to in your community. Maybe there's someone this week that needs you to minister to them, needs you to, to, to give them a hand, to give them a call, to love them, to support them, to pray for them. I don't know what that, that ministering looks like, but it can be any of those things. It just needs to be an action step in faith. That's how you share God's love through ministering. It's just an action step. Who in your community do you need to reach out to this week? So we gotta take it one person at a time. 
And I would venture to guess that each and every one of us has one person that we can think of that we're like, hey, I think I need to reach out. Reach out. Minister to them. Even if it's just a simple, hey, I'm here for you, praying for you. Or maybe it needs to be an apology. Maybe there's someone you need to apologize to and say, hey, I wasn't showing God's love. Maybe that's it. I don't know what it is for you. But take a step in your faith this week. Maybe you need to ask yourself the question, how are you going to be a better minister in your family this week? Maybe for you, it starts right inside your own home. Maybe you're like, I haven't been the father I need to be. I haven't been the son or the daughter or the mother. It doesn't matter what part of the family you're in. You can still minister to each other. What do you need to do this week to be a better minister in your family? When you wake up showing the love of Jesus, taking action steps, what is it this week that you need to do to better that? We have to minister every single week. We need to be ministering every single day. Not to earn salvation, but to show people the love of Jesus because we have found faith by grace. That's how we're saved, by grace through faith. But we must take action on that faith. So I encourage you this week to take an action step. Take that step. Trust me, God will do some crazy cool things with it. Maybe not the direction you planned. Maybe be working with middle schoolers. Win for the kingdom. They need you. (laughs) Take that action step this week. You know, every single week we have this opportunity uh, through this time of communion. And I absolutely love this, this time. And so in just a moment, we're gonna pass out communion here. And the reason why I love this time is because it gives a moment to pause. Right, because sometimes I get lost in my week and it gets crazy and I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. I'm like, oh, no, I've got to get these things done. I've got to run over here. I've got to get this. And, and I forget to pause. And so that's what this time is for, is, is for you to be able to pause and reflect and to really connect with God. Just to be able to say, God, I am right here, right before you. It doesn't matter how bad your week was or how good it was or what you have coming up tomorrow. This is a time for you just to be you and God because Jesus came down to this earth to save you and me. That's why this time is so special and it's such a time of importance. And so through this time, we're gonna take these together. So if you grab these, just go ahead and hold on to them. If you're new with us, feel no obligation. You can let it pass you on by. But this is our opportunity to really connect with God. And so what I'm going to ask you to do through this time is once you have the cup and the bread, I'm just going to ask you just to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you some questions to think about. And at any point in time, if you're like, Eric, I'm tired of hearing your voice. Can I connect with God? Just tune me out. That's cool. I won't be offended. I'll cry later. I'm just going to ask you some questions to think and to reflect on to hopefully allow you to be able to connect with our Father. So once you have these, go ahead and close your eyes. The first thing that that I think about is, what do you need to give to God? What pain, 
what hurt are you holding on to that you need to extend your hand and say, God, I'm ready for you to take this. I spent a lot of years holding on to hurt and pain that I could have just given it to him and let him work through it. I'd encourage you at this point in time, if you have something you really need to give to God, do so now. You know, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this represents my body that was broken for you. Anytime you take this, remember me. Let's remember him now. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant, my blood. Anytime you drink this, remember me. Let's remember him now. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray that we'll just lift our arms up to you this morning. God, I pray that you will work in our lives each and every day and that we'll just have our eyes focused on you. God, that we will be looking for ways to minister to those around us this week, which just simply is taking our faith and putting it into action, showing the world what it's like to be a Christ follower. God, please help us to be better at that. And God, I pray when we fall down, because we will, I pray that you'll be there to pick us back up and that we'll just reach up, grab your hand and know that we can continue forward. So God, I just pray that you'll touch us today, touch our lives in a special way that turns our direction toward you. Lead us and guide us as we walk this journey of faith together. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.